Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. It is good to be with you guys. Like, I feel like there's, you got like a vibe check? This is a good vibe. You guys are fun to worship the Lord with. We are, I think God, I'm going to say we are, I think we're just kind of bumbling our way, but God is building a thing here that is quite beautiful. And I'm, I'm not going to say completely unique, but quite unique. Meaning, I, I haven't found a lot of churches that'll sit in silence for a long time. Uh, I haven't found a lot of churches that, um, you guys are great. I don't even know. I'm going to run out of words and I might start crying. So we are celebrating communion today. Uh, and we, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, months ago, the elders really felt like communion should say, take center stage. So I am going to talk short. I'm just going to reiterate three points I had last week. If you took notes last week, you don't have to take notes this week because they're the exact same three points. So that's how easy this is. Because what we want to do is we want to create place and space for God to come and be made, made the most important thing. And Jesus actually instituted a thing that we still celebrate this day called communion, the table of the Lord. He set a table for you. He even put the things on it on purpose, bread and wine, bread and juice in this case, which symbolize his body and his blood. And you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to get fancy. You don't even have to feel goosebumps or anything. This is an act of faith that I am going to ingest into my body elements, items, bread and juice that symbolize I belong to Jesus Christ, and he is mine, and I am his. His death paid for my sin, and it is a weighty declaration if you think about it. That the death of Jesus pays for my sin and makes me able to come to a holy God. That's why we're eating bread and juice today. Not a religious religious act, not because we have to, but because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, gathered his disciples and said, I've longed to eat this meal with you. And it was probably more than just bread and juice. They ate that, some good food. But then he takes bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. Like the weight of that, when you take the bread today in your hands, I want you to hold it a second and then break it. It's the weight of that. I am declaring to the heavens and the earth and everything spiritual, seen and unseen, that Jesus's body was broken for me which you can do that well, or you can do that poorly. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians really quick here in a second, because it deals with that. So I love communion days, because what we have found, it's almost like God knows how to run run his church better than men. (laughs) Who knew? Uh, That when we create space for people, the people of God to just come to, we're going to call it the table, and give them free range to confess their sins or ask for prayer or say, God, what do you want to do here? He does. And we have watched, and you don't know a lot of these testimonies. Uh, At least every time I've been at a communion table in the last month, someone's come up to me and just starts weeping and they go, I've never told anyone this my entire life. And then they have the most gnarly sin. And I go, but God heard your confession right now and now you're free. 
there's a lot of things happening that we don't always share, but we're watching people get healed. We're watching demons' power get lost. We're watching salvation happen. We're watching sins that have been in the dark come into the light. We're watching God just be, just do. And it's really, really fun. It's fun to do ministry with Jesus. It's not as fun to do ministry for him. What we are doing is ministry with the Lord right now. So I want to bring those three things up before I forget. But really quickly, it was the three things from last week that I keep hearing on repeat for this church and I want to call you into for this next year. Hunger, devotion, intimacy. And if I was just to ask you, how hungry are you? Some of you are like, well, it's 11. I got to eat my second breakfast. Not even talking about physical hunger, but have you ever met somebody that's physically hungry? By actual hunger. Uh, People get desperate when they get hungry. People get real, real ravenous. Real, real, I will eat, I will survive, I will will kill, hunt, maim, whatever I got to do, I got to eat. It's almost built into us. But if I was to say, forget about the physical, let's talk about spiritual. How spiritually hungry are you? And if someone watched how you live, would they know it? You go, oh, yeah, I want God. I'm hungry for him. What changes based off of your spiritual hunger? And the reality of hunger, and I think a lot of Americans, were, we, we, you have to make choices to eat healthy in America. You have to make choices in the spiritual place too to be eating spiritual food that will actually satisfy, which means you got to set some stuff away and you got to actually come and hunger and thirst and change your schedule and change your times and go to different things and hunger, hunger. And I'm like, where's the hunger in the body of Christ? Now, I have been told that I am peculiarly hungry in the spiritual department. Like, I just, it gnaws at me that like, okay, you're telling me I can know God? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, how close? They're like, you can be as close as you want to be. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be closer than anyone. And I just, I just live there. And I know you all are like, maybe, maybe you don't. But the reality is, you ever, you ever gotten home, men, and on the way home, you're like, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to get a Big Mac. So you stop. You get whatever your thing is. It might be a Chick-fil-A. might be a Big Mac. might be whatever it is, right? And then you get home, and your wife has just made the most beautiful meal. And you sit down, and you go, I'm going to have to shove this into my stomach so hard right now. Why aren't you hungry for the good meal? Because you already satisfied it with something that really wasn't that great. It just piqued your interest for a moment. So when we talk about spiritual hunger, you will have a choice. This whole year, I want to challenge you to not let your lesser hungers win, but to... uh, like purposefully, with discipline, with actual purpose and planning behind it, go, I will hunger for God this year. It, it's not just like, oh, I have a feeling. It's, I want to know God, so I'll get up early to go be with God. Which doesn't feel good to the flesh. Doesn't feel good to get up early. It doesn't feel good to go, I'm not going to watch TV tonight. I'm going to go read quietly instead. You know how that ends for me most nights? A book on my face snoring. But that's a posture of my heart. I want to hunger and thirst. Over and over again in the Bible, like Psalm 34, I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Why did he deliver all the fears? Why did he answer? Because he sought. And so many of us were like, 
I just want it to fall into my hands. God, do something. And he's like, where's your hunger? Come find me. Come after me. What, men and women of God, this is the year that we must hunger and thirst for the right things and not settle for the lower things. You have a choice. I have a choice. Everybody in here has got a choice. I mean, but the Bible, even a little bit farther, Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Anybody ever feel a little dry in the soul? You know why? Probably because you weren't panting for the right things. Probably if you're like me, you got a little lazy and you stopped seeking because Jesus promised, if you seek, you will find. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. So if there's a lot of Christians that I talk to that I go, I don't know where he is. I just feel this so long. I feel like he's abandoned me. And I'm going, but the Bible says you are blessed. You will be filled. You will find if you hunger. Then I think my, my job then as a pastor is to go, let's get hungering for the right things. Not spiritual Big Macs, which I don't know if you know, aren't good for you. I know somebody somewhere is going to be like, those got protein in them. No, they, like, whatever, man. So bad for you. So hunger. Where's your hunger at? And if it's low, I'm not mad at you. And I don't think God's ashamed of you. This is where I would start. If you're like, I haven't been hungering for God. I would ask him to, number one, ruin your hunger for lesser things. Like, let the earth grow gray and dim and let the things of God grow bold and big. And then two, ask him for hunger. Father, I ask by the Holy Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ that we would be hungry. That I would be hungry. Secondly, devotion. I am devoted to my wife, Anna. I don't know if you know that. I mean, and, and if I walked around in a typical day, you would know that. You know why? Because, well, number one, I'm wearing a ring, so I wear this outward sign. And then every once in a while, I'll be at the gym, I'll be wherever, and they'll be like, hey, Andrew, you should come over and come to our house for dinner. And you know what I immediately say? I got to ask Anna. If you ask me anything, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? I'll be like, I got to ask Anna. You better ask Anna. <laughs> And you're like, what's that have to do with God? Most Christians walk through their life. I wouldn't even be able to tell that you're devoted to him. When stuff comes up, how to spend your money, where to spend your time, how you do your extracurriculars, you're not like, hey, I got to ask Anna. I got to ask God. You just do it. And so our devotion is somewhere between what serves me most and what feels good. But there's this pure-hearted devotion that God is raising in the earth right now of people that are so wholly devoted to him. If you read Hebrews 11, it's a hall of people. We could walk down that hall, literally lined with people that went, I gave him everything. They beat me. They killed me. They took my kids. I had rags for clothing, but I was devoted to the thing that mattered. So it kind of feels hungerous, right? They go together, and I think that's purposeful. So as I listen to the elders and I listen to the people, I'm like, I hear hunger language everywhere. I hear devotion language everywhere. 
I, I brought up Peter, who's the big mouth of the group of the, the apostles. But in John 6, Jesus asked, like, who do people say that I am? And, you know, like the whole thing, like Peter, Mount, like some say you're Elijah, some say you're like, you know, this or that. And then Peter, because he's Peter, just says, you are, I'm going to read it because I'm going to mess it up. I don't actually have it in front of me, so I can't read it. But he basically says, you are the Lord, the son of God, the savior of the world. That's what he says. Probably should remember my notes. And so Jesus says all these wonderful things to them. And in a moment, he begins to teach even deeper things. Things like, you must eat my blood or drink my blood and eat my body if you want to belong to me. And everybody leaves. So we just watched God, I'm convinced, heal and restore and do what God does. And then God says some hard things to them right before Peter says this. And everybody leaves. It's not very devoted of them, is it? Because they were there. This is prior to that. Jesus multiplied fish, so they got to eat. Jesus had healed some people, so they got to see the wonders of God. But when it gets to eat my body and drink my blood, they're like, oh, we out. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I read this last week and I just, I, that, that, that's devotion to me. That's everybody else will leave, but I will not. That's the whole world could tell me I'm wrong and stupid for believing in Jesus Christ and I will stand by myself then. Devotion. Men, you know what devotion feels like because you got rid of all your side chicks when you got married. Except in Christianity, actually Christianity in America, you can have this God and then all the American gods lined up and they can all serve you. Except the Bible and the God of the Bible is the one true God. And he's the only one worth our devotion. So as you walk through this next year, what would show the waiting world, what would show this world that you're devoted to Jesus? And I don't think it needs to be cheesy Christian t-shirts for your wedding ring. I don't think it needs to be anything outward. But I do think God's calling us to give him more than we ever have and not be afraid to trust him in great big, big ways and small ways. Devotion will cost you something, church. Devotion to Jesus Christ will cost you many things. And no one told me that when I came to the, to the faith. Come to Jesus. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. He does. Come to Jesus. He will restore you. He did. Come to Jesus. He will make your, <laughs> he will take away from you your dignity, your comfort, your plan for your life. So church, do you want to follow Jesus or do you want to follow the Americanized version? Devotion to Jesus will cost you people's opinions of you. Devotion to Jesus might cost you the job, might cost you your kid's comfort, might cost you all the idols of America, but you will gain one thing. You will be a friend of God. The last one, and it's the one that I think, uh, is hard to explain, so I don't have verses. It's just, I keep hearing language of intimacy. Who's your best friend? 
Somebody said, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> That's awesome. Jeez, you're in church. And I say that all the time. But I, I'll go human. Who's your human best friend? And, and, and I know husbands, you're like, it's, it's my baby girl. I love her. Uh, whatever it is. Maybe not baby girl. That feels weird. I don't call Anna baby girl. I call her, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so when I say intimacy with God, it's almost like people, you can see people's like, there's like this cloud or veil. They're like, what do you mean intimate with God? Well, take your highest, best human relationship and then go past that to the God that spoke you into being, that knows everything about you and you can't hide from and died to bring you to himself. That then promised that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, the paraclete in Greek, whatever, uh, was gonna come and he was going to reveal the son to you that you were never gonna be alone, that when you cried out Abba by the spirit of sonship, God went, yes, son, yes, daughter, that, which is better than any human relationship. So I can guarantee you, if, you have a real, if you're a lady and you have a really good girlfriend, she just has to look at you to know what you're feeling, thinking, or seeing. And you can try to lie to her. Anybody got a friend you've tried to lie to? You're like, I'm fine. You are not. And you're like, I'm not okay, right? Why? That's human level. Take that to God's level. The Bible's story is God wants to be close with his people. It's not necessarily a story about, hey, here's the punishment for sin. There is punishment for sin. Jesus took it to bring you to God. And the devil has lied to you. And he's told you, yes, you can be saved from your sin, but you can't know God until. Go read John 17. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just, this was just my heart. It says, this is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That word know is exactly what a friendship in the human realm, that's actually the word deeper than that, that a husband and wife would know. There's a depth to knowing God that the earth needs to see the sons and daughters of God stand up. God wants to know you. God wants you to know him. He's not hiding. He gave us a whole book that's actually not about you. It's about him. This book is about a God who created all things, put people in a garden so he could walk with them in the cool of the day. So he could know them. Now they decide that's not good enough. So the whole Genesis 3 thing happens. But what's he promised? I'm going to send one one day who's going to crush the head of Satan, the snake. And what's Jesus do? Crushes the head of the snake on the cross. So this year, those three things I would put before you, whatever you have to do to actually get to a place where you hunger for the things of God, do it. When you see Jesus face to face, there's a song by Stephanie Gretzinger which talks about, I don't want to wish that I gave him more when I see him. This year, now is the time. Now is the time to hunger, not then. Now is the time to be devoted, not then. Now is the time to be close with God, not then. Then we will see fully. Now, and we're just gonna go as close as we can. And I think there's a lot more closeness to be had. There's a lot more, guys. Moses got to meet with God in a tent, face to face. The Bible says like a friend. He went into a tent and talked with God. I think we're in a better covenant. 
the new one, I'm getting really, ugh. this is my heart cry. I don't want you to live as slaves. I don't want you to live outside the tent. I don't want you to be outside the curtain going, I wish I could go be with God. You can go be with God. And so part of all three of these, hunger, devotion, and intimacy, as I talked about, I think is a actual purposeful setting aside of things. So I'm just gonna give you a heads up and I'll, we'll give you a lot more details later, but next week, next weekend, next Sunday, we're gonna start a 14-day fast. And why would we do that? Because I want to hunger and thirst for God. And I wanna invite you to start praying this week, what should you fast? Like I know some of us, we're just gonna do water. But if you've never done that, a water fast is hard past about a week. If you can't do that because of medical reasons, God's not less pleased with you. If every time you don't eat, you pass out, might not be the time to stop eating food, okay? Because then we'd be like, there goes Bertha again. She's on the floor. We're not doing that. You might need to fast TV. You might need to go. I've done this before. I've done a, like a broth fast. I just drink a cup of broth every day. You're like, that sounds so enjoyable. It's not. It's not about enjoyment here, y'all. It's about tuning my heart to actually what we declare, that God is better than anything on earth. You don't, you know this, right? You need food to live. You know that? We are purposely setting aside something we need to physically live to grab hold of something we need for spiritual life. God himself. So pray about it. All of us will be different, but next week we're gonna start that together and then there's going to be several prayer moments where like Wednesday night prayer, come to Wednesday night prayer during that fast. We're also gonna be joining, well not we, I mean, I'm trying to, there's a lot of details and I'm not a detail guy. But Mike Shea's pushed for this and I agree, I think it is the Lord. We're gonna, we're gonna join up with some other churches in this fast and we're gonna pray. And that feels like the Bible. That feels like a thing God's people do. So will you pray about that? Can you, if you're just tuning me out the rest of the day, can you just write down, pray about fasting? And if you have questions, ask Mike, not me. Cool. So let's talk about communion, which is why we're here. And I said I'd preach short. Actually, this is the shortest I've ever preached in my life. There are four tables in this room, four on each corner, where there's going to be elders and their wives or two elders if their wives couldn't make it. They're not there to police your confession. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to do anything other than to offer you bread and body, juice, blood. And then here, if there are confessions of sin, to hear them and then help you realize that the Bible, when it says, if you confess, he's righteous and just to forgive. If you've come to them and you go, I think the devil is attacking me, they should have enough authority and understanding of the word to pray that off of your life. If you come to them and you go, my spleen isn't where it's supposed to be, it's over here, they'll pray for that too. God, that was weird. I don't even... If it's healing, if it's confession, if it's... He keeps talking about knowing God. I want to do that. Let them pray over you. On top of that, on this pillar, in the middle of the room more, so like right there at that pillar, right there at that pillar, um, best name we could come up with is self-serve which sounds very McDonald's-esque, but it's actually communion. So 
if you're like, man, you know what? I just want to take my kids and my wife and my family and I want to go to the table with Jesus and we're going to eat it together and pray, that's the place to do that. And then last but not least for my uh, gluten intolerant friends, I'm looking at it, but right down this aisle, if you hit this wall, there's a gluten-free station just for you. Okay? We don't want the gluten to get you. So... I'm sorry. I love gluten, just spoons of it. Um, if you're not gluten intolerant, please don't use that. Don't take bread from up here and dip it in the juice back there because it, it, like, it does something. I don't, it'll get in there, okay? I think I explained it all. So let me read scripture before I keep being stupid. 1 Corinthians 11. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians 11. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. So there's some along this wall. The word of God, like I said, is about God. And if you want to know God, you should probably read the book he wrote. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. You're like, why are we going to 1 Corinthians to talk about communion? Why don't we go like where Jesus did it? Well, this is Paul explaining to a church how not to do it wrong. And they were doing it wrong. So wrong, in fact, that he says some of you are sick and some of you have died because you did it wrong. And what was happening was, let's just pretend this wasn't grape juice, but we just had like a bunch of wine up here. Now, I agree, funny. And then a bunch of people showed up, a bunch of dudes showed up early and started drinking, just sloshing all the wine. So that when you showed up this morning, there's a bunch of dudes just like, this communion's great, right? That's what was happening. And so Paul's like, hey guys, stop dishonoring the body and the blood of Jesus. He says it in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I'm going to pause for a second. As you break that bread today, I want you to bring to mind all the works of Jesus. If you know any at all, just bring them to mind. I remember that you smacked leprosy off somebody. And I remember that you sat with the woman caught in adultery. And I remember that you taught blessed are those who hunger. I remember, I remember, I remember. Okay? Can you do that? Do this. What? Take the body. Take the bread in remembrance of Jesus. 25. In the same way. After supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Once again, you have this, this, this was a cup then, and it's a bowl now. And here, we're going to tear the bread, and we're going to dip it in the juice, but it's the same idea. The, body, the blood of Jesus, this thing that seals a new covenant. Old covenant, bulls, and sacrifice, New covenant, one sacrifice, the Son of God. So as you drink that, you are saying, I belong to you. Like a wedding ring. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You are proclaiming something spiritually. That Jesus died for my sins and I accepted his payment. I accept the free gift of salvation and I want to be with him forever. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood 
of the Lord. Anybody come in today wanting to sin against the body and the blood of Jesus? Probably not, right? And so that's why there's this weight to this moment. It's, it's not just a religious act. It's a sit the people before God and let me search their hearts. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm just going to put you before God. And then what we rally on Communion Sundays is, just like William Wallace, freedom. Like freedom. You are free to leave. You are free to walk around. You're free to let the kids just be kids. You are free. There is so much freedom to worship, to read your Bible, to praise, to get on your face before God. There is one extra thing that we're doing today. You might notice that we've been in a state of like construction over the last, I don't know. We're getting new carpet this week. So no more shoes and no more coffee. Just kidding. But if you'll know, if all these chairs, and we do actually want to take these chairs out. So if you're here in like an hour and a half, we're going to be taking all these chairs out. You want to hang around. What we don't want though, is the taking out of the chairs to stop anything that God's doing. So I don't care about the chairs more than I care about you encountering God. But you'll notice there's this blank concrete spot up here. Well, we actually really want to invite the members and the people that love this place to maybe write some prayers or some scriptures, or you'll notice some people already have. Um, like this one, I know it's John's. It says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I wrote Joel 2.28 on the floor over there. I wrote, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty on the front of the stage. So if you want to join and just write a prayer or write a scripture, you can add that to your communion time, okay? There's a bunch of different colors. Please don't write anything stupid. All right. Was that too harsh? Okay. I did put a please on it. All right. Let's do this. Let's ask God if there's anything in our hearts that should keep us from communion. There's really only one thing that I would say should keep you from communion. If you have not become a Christian, I am not trying to withhold bread and juice from you, though. The bread and juice do not save you. The broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus do, though. So if you want to become a Christian, go to one of the elders and say, I am not a Christian, but I want to become one. I want to confess my sin and I want to be a son of God or a daughter of God. I want that salvation. I want freedom from my sin. Help, they'll help you. And then they'll throw a great big party along with all the angels in heaven. So can you quiet your heart and kind of bow your head? We're gonna spend the rest of the day in worship, in communion, and if you take communion with your family and you're like, I think it's time for us to go, you can go ahead and go. No one's going to judge you. God, we love you, and I thank you for your word. And so we do what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. We actually test and examine our own hearts right now. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit to come as the great convictor of sin 
that we would not make little of your body or your blood. And so ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my heart that you don't want? That doesn't please you? It dishonors you? And if you're an elder and you're supposed to be at a table, will you go ahead and kind of quietly make your way there? I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.